come over for dinner. I am so excited you're joining me today. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Abigail Dodds. Many of my listeners may be familiar with her because she has authored two books. One is titled A Typical Woman, Free, Whole, and Called in Christ. And the other, more recently, is Bread of Life, Savoring the All-Satisfying Goodness of Jesus Through the Art of Bread Making. Welcome, Abigail. Well, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. It is so much fun to run into her in Moscow. We are able to record live, and so that was just the perfect setup, and I was so glad that she agreed to do a podcast with me because I am hearing just some wonderful things about this book. I have not ordered it, but I plan to as soon as possible. <laughs> she is married to her husband of how many years? Oh, we are on 21. 21 mm-hmm. years. He is an elder in their church as well as runs a technology business. They have five children ranging in age from 10 to 19, two boys and three girls. That's right. Yep. And she is... Also, besides being an author of a couple of books, she is a regular contributor for Desiring God and has written for numerous other online publications. I have been looking through a lot of her writings. She does Instagram posts and writes there as well, and she just has so many encouraging things to say. She's a baking enthusiast, a garden fanatic, and a mediocre knitter. Yep, that is (laughs) so true. So it's going to be fun to jump into all of the things you have to share. (laughs) So first of all, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, well, I don't know what all there is to tell. I'm kind of a Midwest girl. I don't, born and raised in the Midwest. In Minnesota? Well, actually, I was born and raised in Iowa, southeastern Iowa, um, right on the Mississippi was the town I grew up in, about 30,000 people. My grandparents were farmers in Central Iowa. My mom grew up on that farm and then met my dad at a at a college and they moved to southeastern Iowa. So spent all those years in Iowa and then moved up to Minnesota to go to college and then um, met my husband while I was in college and never, never moved back to Iowa. <laughs> I've been in Minnesota ever since. So yep, all our kids born there and yeah, very at home there. That's wonderful. And you attend Bethlehem? Well, so we did, Um, and it is correct to sort of say that, but Bethlehem had three campuses, and just, I don't know if it's a year ago now, those campuses all agreed that they should become autonomous churches. Okay. Um, And so they, each one became an autonomous church at that time. So we are now the North Church um, in Moundsview. That's our new name. But yes, we're still very closely connected to Bethlehem Baptist Church which is located in downtown Minneapolis, which was is where John Piper was the pastor for a long time. So that's where that name kind of became more known. Was yes. through him. And you have also written and taught Bible studies for the women at that church. Yes. It's been a long time since I've done that. But yes, I used to be more active there. And then just as life and my call to be more and more with my own kids mm-hmm. kind of shifted, then I'm more just with them and teaching yes. them and doing um, all the things yeah. that it takes mm-hmm. to raise five children. That's right. That's right. And staying busy as a writer as well and a baker. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> to have just put out a book on bread making, you're pretty busy. <laughs> you 
stay busy besides taking care of the five kids. Of course, you know, baking is very much part of feeding five children. So they are happy for you to work on that book. That's why that works so well. Like write about the things that you're actually living and doing. And Mm -hmm. then it's like you're killing two birds with one stone kind of. That is so true. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. They're they're (laughs) encouraging you. Mom, don't you want to test out some new bread recipes? Now, you said you wanted to perfect those cinnamon rolls. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, that the last batch wasn't perfect. So mm-hmm. keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Very good. So one of the things, my podcast, we often talk about hospitality and just thoughts on Christian hospitality. Mm-hmm. And you have written so many just great thoughts on Instagram. And one of the posts that stood out to me, I won't read all of it, but It talks about Christian hospitality and celebrating as Christians and how we need to look at that as a ministry and just show joy through that. Mm -hmm. And so part of that says one area the church can shine and grow in is godly, happy celebrations, big and small, not worldly, self-centered entertainment style parties, but happy, holy, joyful feasts and gatherings where hearts and mouths truly enjoy God, his provision and his people. Celebrating this way means we need Christians willing to make and serve the food with happy hearts. We need women who don't view it all as too much trouble, but who find deep Christ-honoring joy in taking lots of trouble for the sake of others and their own joy. This is not showing off. It is learning to welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. Sometimes our offerings will be simple, and other times they will be extravagant, yet all done is an overflow of His abundant kindness." This means we need generous hearts, generous with our money, our time, our labor. We need to learn the ropes of serving. Menus, table setups, collaborating with others, taking thought for the children, the young adults, the senior saints. We get to cultivate beauty that blesses others and points to the bounteous goodness of Christ. I'm so grateful for my mom, my mother-in-law, and the many sisters in Christ around me who have set such good yet unique examples for me to imitate. There was a time when my mindset was, what's the easiest thing I can do to get through this event rather than what would most bless the people entrusted to me and lift their hearts to God? What a difference between those two questions. My joy and work has exploded when I've pursued the second question. Mm -hmm. And I'll stop there, but it goes on talking specifically about Easter, and it's just so encouraging. Tell me a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. That is such a fabulous perspective that when we are giving work, it can be joyful because we're giving it to God. Yes. And we're looking to bless others in that work, not just thinking, this is going to take so much time. Mm -hmm. This is going to take a lot of effort on my part. I'm tired. It's money. And so tell me a little bit about how your work exploded when you pursued that second question, which said, instead of what's the easiest thing, what would most bless the people entrusted to me and lift their hearts to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even in those two questions, you probably hear a little bit of where my sin bent would take me. My sin bent would probably take me toward ease, Mm -hmm. but that's not true for all women. For some women, their sin bent will take them to very over the top performance-based hospitality, Mm -hmm. although I would say that maybe isn't quite hospitality, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So when you're hearing those questions, you have to first realize I'm asking it of myself because that's where I'm prone toward is kind of like, oh man, I really would rather not have to work all day today. Mm -hmm. My feet hurt or whatever it is. What can I do to make this easy? And that's not always wrong. There are times where you do have to lighten up. You know, we're human. But 
what I found is just when I have that mindset on, kind of the self-serving mindset, it actually dampers my joy in the service. So I still have to do some things. Like mm-hmm. there are people coming, whatever the case may be, but I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'm, you know, it's it ends up dampening all of it. And yet when I say, hmm, I wonder what would make this really special for whomever's coming. Mm-hmm. I wonder what would really bless them. Like if I if I'm thinking about them, if I'm thinking about what would make if I can sometimes I'll just envision everyone at our house and think, what am I hoping for? Mm-hmm. Like what do I want this? to be what would glorify God when these people are here. And then a lot of times my husband and I will just talk about it because different groups, it's kind of different things. Like maybe we could sing a song with this group. I think that would really go a long way in helping, or maybe you're inviting people over. They don't know each other. So you kind of have to think about how am I going to structure this hospitality mm-hmm. event to help these people who've never met each other before get to know each other and cultivate good conversation amongst mm-hmm. them, especially they're if comfortable yeah, and exactly. feel, feel like they're not just needing to kind of stand on yeah. a wall by themselves. Right, <laughs> they feel right. like they're a part of a group. Yes. And maybe it's people, you know, super well. And those ones take the least amount of thought because mm-hmm. you know them so well. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a glove. They can come over. They're part of the crew. They're helping, you know, cause they've just been there a hundred times. So different events, maybe there's a ton of children, so you need to think hard about what would really make this event go well so that the children are happy and cared for, not neglected, mm-hmm. but maybe we don't want them to be like our whole focus either in a way. So there there can be different ways to think about that. I like to have, you know, toys ready or, you know, we'll set up the volleyball net in the backyard or the badminton little thing or cornhole, you know, if the weather permits, or we have a sled hill. So we are always, I'll talk over with the kids, like, what are some things you think these kids would really enjoy when they're here? And Mm -hmm. then we'll make a list. And then you've kind of got those things Mm -hmm. at the ready. So you're not scrambling once people are starting to kind of come apart a little or not sure what to do with themselves. And you don't have that sinking feeling because you're looking around realizing they're just sitting there bored. They have nothing to do. Right. Especially preteens, teenagers. You you do want something for them to be able to kind of have as a group an activity to do. They don't just want to sit and have coffee and talk about their day. (laughs) Right, right. And so exactly. Or have to sit in on adult conversations that sometimes aren't even quite suitable for them. Sure. It just, it makes it awkward for everyone. Mm -hmm. One other little thing that I thought of that we do, that we started to do like way into kind of hospitality, which I wish we would have thought of earlier. (laughs) We learned it by, oh, this didn't go well, (laughs) is... Sometimes we will put a gate up to our upstairs or we'll close the bedroom doors and say, hey, everybody, just so you know, the bedrooms are off limits. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a small thing, but I have found it to make the hospitality go so much smoother. If small children know at the front end, you're not allowed into these private areas of our home Mm -hmm. um, because they're there. You would be alone. Mm -hmm. It's not a you would be kind of neglected there and you know, there's no reason for you to be in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not appropriate. No for one what knows where here. you are. Yes. And so just to make that, to, to remember it myself before they get there, because if you forget, then you're like, oh, well, we just found a little slew of children who found their way upstairs and now we're going to shoo them out or whatever. But it's nicer to remember on the front end and then it just prevents those little problems and nobody feels bad about mm-hmm. it. And you have other things 
planned for them, so it's fine. But I just think it's it's actually loving, even though even though hospitality is about welcoming people in, it's also about we also have some boundaries mm-hmm. and we're gonna be lovingly clear about those. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you set them at the beginning, it is loving because yes. they know them and you're not having to sort of fuss correct at them, them later, later or correct them or explain <laughs> yes. why. When or, they didn't know. Right. Yeah. They didn't know or you're having to maybe maybe it's a tiny one who's screaming and kicking as you're pulling them out of the bedroom with all the toys. You know, right. it's this dramatic situation. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it also gives your your own children a feeling of safety, knowing that people aren't going to be going into my room, yes. messing with my stuff, or maybe yep. they have personal things in there that they don't want bothered or whatever yep. it is. It just gives them a sense of security as well. So right. And it's a it is thought. a good way to keep them on board, because I think if your own kids get if you let your own children get really run over mm-hmm. in hospitality, mm-hmm. they aren't going to want to continue to be hospitable. And so you have to have those good boundaries for your own children so they know I'm I'm part of this. I am a member of this family that counts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and my, my parents aren't just about pleasing the people who come through the door. Right. They also care about me mm-hmm. being. And they've thought about yes. me before those other people came into the house. Yes. Yes. That's a great tip. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me a little bit about your new book. It was in 2021, so we're get, coming on close to two years that it's been out. And mm-hmm. so I know you've probably had a lot of feedback about it from people. Quick description of it. It says, millions of people have rediscovered the joy of homemade bread baking. A quick search on Pinterest or Instagram brings up step-by-step instructions and captivating photos from for everything from sourdough to naan. Bread satisfies our bodies, but our spirits cry out for an even greater sustenance. In Bread of Life, Abigail Dodds, an avid baker and mother of five, invites <laughs> readers to ponder and celebrate God's spiritual and physical provision in Christ through the hands-on art of bread making. This unique book is an enriching blend of devotional meditations and recipes that invites readers to ponder the true bread of life as they bake for their families and friends. There's 11 chapters featuring a bread recipe, pictures, high-quality photography that shows each thing that you create. So tell me a little bit about what inspired this. Mm-hmm. Well, I I feel like I came a little late to baking, well, especially to baking bread. So I think I didn't start – I think the very first time I ever made bread would have been around maybe 2000. 10, no, maybe a little before that, maybe 2010. Let's just say that. I think it says when in the book, but my memory is so terrible. I know I had to like go back and look at pictures so that I could figure out when did I first start making bread? Mm -hmm. But I was super intimidated by bread making just because I had never done it. Um, My mother-in-law is a wonderful baker. And so I'd seen her bake amazing things. I was very intimidated um, and just thought, that's not for me. I get that at the store. Um, <laughs> Somebody who is a professional has to do this. Yes, exactly. And just sort of, this was back before the bread craze. I mean, this was way early. And so it was back when the only people I knew who were baking were older women or homes, like the people who were grinding their own wheat mm-hmm. and the homeschool mom of 10. Mm-hmm. And so those were like the stereotypes that I had. And I was like, clearly this is not for me. Um <laughs> And, but with the advent of Pinterest, you know, that I don't know if you remember when Pinterest came on the scene, but it was mm-hmm. just like pictures of bread all over the place. At least for me, whatever was being fed to me in Pinterest, it was mm-hmm. a lot of pictures of 
homemade bread. And I'm like, wow, it just looks amazing. Mm -hmm. And photography was getting so much better. And the step-by-step instructions with photography was getting so much better. And I was like, oh, maybe I could try I might need to try this. Like I didn't even know what yeast was. I'm like searching in the grocery store. I didn't know whether it was refrigerated, whether it went on the shelf, whether it was liquid or solid. I was just, (laughs) I'm like, well, I hope I don't have to ask anyone. I'm just going to look really hard. This just as a side note, this is so encouraging for be- anyone yes. beginning on anything, yes. especially bread. But honestly, you can be a grown adult and oh, still yes. be starting a journey and you can still become so good at it that you are publishing a cookbook later, <laughs> 10 years later. Well, it is amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, what practice can do mm-hmm. and just being willing to fail a lot. Like I always try and tell people, if you want to get good at something, you just need to get comfortable with failing mm-hmm. a lot and and keeping working and experimenting and trying and not being discouraged mm-hmm. with yourself. Look at the mistakes as opportunities to try it again and, and figure it out. Yes, you I, have to have that end goal in mind. Yes. Because if you don't, you give up. Right, right. And you never reach it because that, you don't remember what it is you're trying to achieve. There's this weird thing that probably more than women but I definitely hear women do this where they'll try it one time and it will bust. And this is what this is what they say. I'm bad at mm-hmm. fill in the blank. Or they'll say, I can't bake or I can't X. And I just think, well, that is just a total lie. I uh-huh. can see how competent you are in a hundred areas. You have not tried it. Mm-hmm. You 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 didn't try it. You dipped a toe in and thought, mm-hmm. well, that feels cold. I'm getting out. But you didn't really try. So it's not that everyone has to bake. Absolutely not. Not a requirement for your life. But we're just not allowed to talk falsely about what we can and can't do. (laughs) Especially in the world of Pinterest and YouTube and step-by-step photograph and cookbooks that have instructions with a photograph for each Each step. step. I mean, no one has an excuse. If you can read, you can pretty much make anything. You can do it. Not that you're going to be a perfect at all of the things, but you can pretty much figure it out. You can get there. And, Mm -hmm. And so I just started trying things that were wildly above my ability. I mean, wildly. <laughs> and I didn't even know, you know, what these different methods I was using were, and I couldn't pronounce things. And um, But it was really fun. And I just enjoyed the learning. And the thing that really spurred me on was my family's enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Just that even that first loaf of bread, I have such a vivid memory of I had just three littles at the time. Maybe Evangeline was born, but was an infant. I can't remember. But just... I mean, mm-hmm. the delight, yes. the absolute joy of that hot bread coming out and the smell in the house. And I've just never gotten over that. I just love keeping doing that. I love and and as they've gotten more accustomed to certain things I make, then it's like a motivation to keep doing the next thing because it's like, oh, well, we've kind of done that and it doesn't bring quite the excitement anymore. Let's move on to a new thing. This will mm-hmm. be really fun. Um, and so- that piece of it, that delight that it can bring to the home and to the family and bring people together. I think that's why food is a good, wonderful thing that goes with fellowship. Mm-hmm. It Food brings people together and food that's done in love and tastes good. It just, yes. it speaks. Well, one of my best childhood memories, I look back going to visit my grandmother. She lived in Shreveport, Louisiana, and we would pull up and 
we were there for a week. My twin sister and I often got to stay for a certain amount of time. She, we had four girls in our family, and she would she wouldn't do all four at one time. Usually by herself, yeah. you know. <laughs> if the whole family came to stay, of course we'd all be there. But during the summer, we would rotate, and I think I usually stayed with my twin sister, and then the two younger girls stayed. But I knew that when we stayed, her friend across the street, the older lady, would have made would know we're coming. Mm-hmm. And she would come across the street with her sourdough cinnamon rolls. Oh, wow. I think she made regular rolls as well. And that was a highlight. Yes. And my grandma always had a starter in her refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And then I later got some starter from her. But such a happy memory. And yes. it was, we looked forward to those cinnamon rolls so much yep. because they were delicious. We didn't smell them baking. Of course, when my grandma baked, we did. Mm-hmm. She made She made rolls too. But yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful way to feed someone, not just physically, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. spiritually, emotionally. Yes. It's just, it showed, it showed such friendship and mm-hmm. love towards us Yep, because she was excited we were coming and for my grandma, you know, she, she knew us, but she was excited to share that for my grandma to her grandchildren. So jumping into some recipes mm-hmm. or just going a little bit past bread another post that i saw on instagram speaking of encouraging people who are beginning or maybe people who have been doing it for a long time but are just slogging along sometimes we all get discouraged and mm-hmm. we're just like oh do i have to cook again <laughs> Another post that really stood out to me was a picture of a delicious pot of something. Mm -hmm. I guess it's your chicken salsa chili. Oh, yes. And the caption Mm -hmm. says, start with one good recipe. Mm -hmm. And you talk about how you in your 20s started with one good recipe, which was the chicken salsa chili in your 20s. And then later Mm -hmm. it changed to the pulled pork sandwich and the cilantro slaw in your 30s. and. You just really perfected some a recipe that could be made for a, a larger group, group of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you kind of got your hospitality feet under you. And then you say, you may have some truly great and worthy goals for hospitality. But sometimes what we need is fewer goals and more reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what if your unimpressive way of actually being hospitable is way better than your very impressive way of dreaming about being hospitable, (laughs) which we all can do. Uh What if that one good recipe used over and over is worth a thousand times more than the multitude of recipes you've read and thought about, (laughs) but never actually made? I have a list of those. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's good to have hospitality goals. It's good to be on a growth chart and actually be growing by leaps and bounds over the decades. But for some of you, you just need to start with that one good recipe. Get the ball rolling. Start loving people with one meal. Start loving your people with one meal. Find a recipe your husband and children are excited to get to the table for. Then bring others along. Let it be your signature dish for however long you need it to be. And eventually you'll find another and another until there are so many you don't remember them all. And you'll be flying off that growth chart by God's grace, and he will have made that one good recipe multiply like the loaves and fishes. But first, think of all the people you can love and serve in Jesus's name with one good recipe. Mm -hmm. I did tell y'all she's a good writer. (laughs) (laughs) So we've heard your one good recipe in your 20s and the 30s. Well, what is it now? Now in your 40s, (laughs) what would you recommend as your one good recipe that you love to serve when you are, of 
course, feeding your family, but mm-hmm. inviting others in. Mm-hmm. And you may have a group of 20 or 30 people. Yep. Well, this one is is probably the one I'm most excited to make um, because I love it. I think our kids all like it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they all love it too. <laughs> I, I should have checked with them beforehand. I think they do because I did mention that I was going to mention this recipe, but no one screamed in horror. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's beef bourguignon is my favorite oh. one now. I especially that would be a special thing it's to just, have as a guest. Yeah. It is a fun one. It feels special. But the meat isn't expensive. The recipe I have uses just uh, chuck roast mm-hmm. cubed. So the meat isn't overly expensive. It does have wine in it, which can be more expensive for like a very large group if you're having to go through a bunch. But it is just delicious. It's rich. It's warm. We serve it with um, my grandma's company mashed potatoes recipe that I grew up with. And then often like grilled bread or grilled sourdough. And it is so, it just, it's like a hug. Mm-hmm. It's like eating a hug. And it is this particular recipe. I've tried several and I was disappointed for years, actually trying to make a beef stew that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, it never hit this note that I wanted. And, but I couldn't articulate why or what it was that I didn't love about it. And so it never became a regular. I'd always try one and then we'd be like, mm, and then move on to another. Mm-hmm. Well, this recipe I kind of merged between um, an Ina Garten one and then one that this gal, her Instagram handle, I think is Half-Baked Harvest. Mm-hmm. I forget her actual name, but I sort of merged those two. They both have, I think Ina's might be a beef stew and the Half-Baked Harvest is, maybe she calls it beef bourguignon. I'm, I can't remember. I merged those and I just found what for us, for the Dodds is the winner because the balance of wine to beef broth is right. And I think I finally discovered that that was the thing that I didn't like in the ones I didn't like is it was somehow off, maybe Mm -hmm. too much beef broth. I'm not sure, but this one, for whatever reason, you've perfected it for us. I just say for us, because I know different people's tastes are different, but you let that go in the oven. If you even forget about it and it goes too long, it just gets better. It just gets better. It just gets better and better and better. And then you're like, oh, this is gets thicker and just richer. And man, I love it. It's really good. Do you make it the day of and let it just slow cook all day? Or do you ever make it ahead of time where the next day it tastes even better? I mean, I guess it could be either one, but what is your preferred method? I mean, it just depends. So if I'm making it for a whole lot of people and I... I want to get some of it out of the way. I, maybe I'm like, oh, I'm going to need... I have two Le Creuset Dutch ovens that I like for this recipe. But if I need one of them for something else, and I but I need the amount for both of them, then I'll make some in advance. So then I... You know, it's like mm-hmm. kind of a logistics game. Mm-hmm. Just the logistics game of like, where does... How am I going to fit everything in the particular dishes available to me? that I like to use for certain things, but it's good either way. If it's, if it can all fit in what I have for the day, I just do it the day of mm-hmm. and it's more convenient. Have you ever frozen it where it comes out of the freezer? Well, or I not? I don't think I have, although I don't see why it wouldn't. Does it, it have potatoes like in it? Uh, no. So that would maybe make it because sometimes uh, just, potatoes come out kind of mealy, but if it yeah, doesn't, then no, it would no potatoes in there. Okay. Well, that sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll have to post this on my website Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the recipe section or the recipe index. There's an index as well. Beef, beef bourguignon. Mm -hmm. It's a fun recipe there. It is really fun. 
And <laughs> the bread you mentioned, is that recipe in your Bread of Life book? Yeah, it's the sourdough that I usually use with this. Just do a loaf of sourdough grilled. But I also like the focaccia with it. You know what I really like with it is popovers, which I'll do for just our family. But I only have enough popover pans for 12. You can do them in muffin pans. So I have done that too, where then you can get a lot. They're a little trickier. So I don't often do them for a large crowd. Mm -hmm. It'd be Um, be a little harder than than having your loaf of bread ready ahead of time. A dozen is a little, is a little easier to manage, but yeah, it's kind of, then it's a little bit more of a timing game. Mm -hmm. And your children feel so special. (laughs) We get the popovers. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, one thing that I saw that was really interesting on your blog, she has a blog that she sometimes contributes to, not quite as regularly as she contributes <laughs> to Desiring God and her other online online places she writes for. She has a blog that is titled hopeandstay.com, and I saw a YouTube series that you posted on there called Sourdough Essentials, where, and I'm sure you could find it on YouTube just by searching her name in Sourdough Essentials. But it was at least four videos, I believe, of her in the kitchen showing how to make the sourdough bread, which is so much fun for those of us who are beginner sourdough bread makers, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just the technique, which is really important when it comes to sourdough. Yes, yes. I did that as a a very sad COVID thing. I don't even like thinking back on those days, but in Minnesota, we were pretty locked down. Uh And so everybody was starting to want to bake bread because everybody was locked down. As a matter of fact, there was like no yeast in the I was going to say, did you run out of yeast? Uh I could not get yeast for months. And finally, I had a sister that was able to find it at her Sam's Club way up. She was five hours north of me in in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And she, there was a two pack, kind of these big bricks of yeast, which was a miracle. (laughs) How in the world is there that much yeast? But she was able to buy it in bulk and give me a pack and her a pack. And so we were set, but it was months before we could get it. Yes. It was so funny. We'd be like, my friends and I would be texting, like trying to source yeast from all the stores in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, it was a funny time. I was so thankful to be in sourdough at that point. Cause I'm like, you know what? We'll be fine. We can keep making whatever we need. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was why I did it. I was like, you know, this would be a perfect time for people to learn how to do sourdough. Maybe I'll just do some videos. <laughs> and that is a perfect thing because a lot of people did. They yes. really jumped into yeah. the learning how to make sourdough bread, which is yep. such a great thing to mm-hmm. do. Well, we've talked a bit about a menu that you would serve, and we've talked a little bit about some of the shortcuts that you would make or or just time savers of being able to... Oh, one time saver for that yeah. beef bourguignon recipe. At least, I don't know if there's a Costco around here, but if you have a Costco or probably a Sam's Club, I buy the chuck roast already cut. It They cube it for mm-hmm. you, and you can buy two pounds of it, and it just takes a lot of time. Is that what they call that. their stew meat? Yes. I buy that all the time. I Me love too. it. It's such a time saver. Mm-hmm. Such and a time saver. You can just dump it in as is. Yes. I, if I have a little bit of extra time, I actually try to check trim and make it sure that the trim it if there's little big chunks of fat yeah, or me too. if it's not uniform. It is mostly uniform. Yep. But every now and then you'll get a really big chunk that's mm-hmm. not bite size. I try to make it bite size. So I'll just do a quick look over it. But yes. having it already all cut, it does save a lot it of time. It really does. And I always feel so happy when I go to make it knowing that that step is done. It's mm-hmm. just this little mental thing like, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meat's ready to go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I can't wait to see this recipe because I have it's made very simple. 
Ina Garten's version. Mm-hmm. I don't think I made half baked Harvest version, but mm-hmm. and I liked Ina's, but it was a long time ago. But it wasn't quite perfect. That was for me too. I liked it, but I it wasn't good enough for me to say, "Oh, I can't wait to remake that." Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for the one that everyone's like, "When can we have that again?" Mm-hmm. Then you know you found a, a good rotation recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one that fits your family just mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, everybody has different tastes, but for right. us, it was the same way. It mm-hmm. was but it wasn't quite our taste. And maybe yes. it's just different areas of the country. She's very Northeastern. Yes. And so some I love a lot of her things. And me then others, too. it's like, mm, it's not quite me, but she'd probably say that about some of my Southern dishes. Yeah. So <laughs> right. like, wow, I think it's amazing. And she would stick her nose up in the air at it. <laughs> not that Ina's eating at my house every weekend, just some of them. <laughs> So what is your best prep tip when you're ha- you're thinking, I'm having a group of people coming over, life is busy, mm-hmm. you have five children at mm-hmm. home. Well, one is in college now, and I guess, does she live at home still while she she's doing college? No, she doesn't, she lives, but yep, she still is. busy. She's mm-hmm. I'm sure she's visiting. There's still mm-hmm. four children at home. Yep. How do you think through preparing mm-hmm. for your company coming yeah. and still do family life? Right. Well, this is just kind of a very practical little tip that we especially do around the holidays, but sometimes for other just events or whatever is I'm really thankful that my kids are big help um, in food prep and just my girls all love to bake and help and are real all hands on deck. They're a great crew. One thing I've done to sometimes help facilitate their helping me (laughs) is to prep for them uh, if I know they're going to be doing dessert for me and I know the recipe to, let's say it's a pie, like get out the pie tin, get the, put the recipe in it and put the ingredients in it and set it out in advance. Mm-hmm. And then they're speeded along and they, it's just a quick way to sort of have something ready. So you're, you're not on the day of like having to go search for ingredients or maybe you're, you know, you have X amount of recipes to make. So you do your shopping and then you keep those items for each recipe together, maybe for a day or two even. I'll just let it sit on the counter if it's you know counter safe. So that it's just simple when that person comes to it, or if I'm even going to come to it, I'll leave it out for myself with the dish it goes in. It's just a little thing mm-hmm. to kind of speed along one little step in the game and make it so that that person, if they're going to take one recipe for whatever the event is or the meal is, they know, oh, this is what I'm taking. Here's the recipe already printed out or are the cards in the dish and I can just hit the ground running. I don't know. It's just a little thing. My mom always did that mm-hmm. for us when we were helping. And so just a That's little a great idea. That reminds me of being on a cooking show. Like yeah. Not that I've been on lots of cooking shows, but I've, we've joked about that before. You know, how do they make the recipe that fast? You you go and print it off and think, oh, I'm going to have this done in yeah, 30 minutes. And then an hour and a half later, you're still <laughs> slogging along in the kitchen and doing cleanup and getting ingredients out. And it, it they start with everything there. They start yes. with everything. You know, they have all their ingredients. They have mm-hmm. these little measured out bowls yep. or measured out cups. And mm-hmm. it just, it does. It makes it so much faster. Of course, I know there's editing and they, they have a right. crew that cleans up and all that too. But I have noticed that if I do what you're talking about, you can just quickly mm-hmm. get a really big jump start on your recipe. And the other thing is, is you don't, you're not surprised when you go to the pantry and realize, oh, I'm totally I'm out, out of, of yeast. Yeah. Or pe- there's no more pecans <laughs> or, and we were mm-hmm. going to do the candied nuts for the salad this time. You know, like 
those little things I think are what slow you down. They're the bumps in the road Mm -hmm. um, sometimes. And it's fine. You can make Mm -hmm. your game day adjustments and do what you need to do. But I love that feeling of like, I know we have everything we need. It's all there and prepped. It just like puts my mind at ease the Mm -hmm. day before, maybe even two days before. You can just jump right into it or or whoever's helping you jump Mm -hmm. right in and start making that recipe. So that's Mm -hmm. a great tip. Mm -hmm. What about showing warm hospitality to those coming to your home? What is your best advice for making them feel welcome when they walk in the door? Yeah. I mean, I think one, this is just probably, I hope probably every guest you've had on probably says this something similar or maybe the same thing. But for me, it's just stopping what I'm doing and really talking to them. And that can be hard, but that's why we do all this prep stuff and Mm -hmm. why we do all the tips and tricks and thinking ahead and the logistics is so that when our guests are there, we can actually like take a moment and be able to have a conversation with them and, you know, give them a warm greeting, invite them into the house, you know, like come all the way in and, and maybe there's still work to be done. And depending on the person, you can invite them to help with that. There are some people who feel so much more at ease if they're given something to do. Mm-hmm. And then there are others who don't. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of trying to clue in on that a little bit, be sensitive to which kind of a person you might have there, and then making yourself as available to that person as possible to either be working alongside you if that's something that would be good for them or making sure that you have availability to actually warmly speak with mm-hmm. and and converse with your guests because that's really why people come. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do come for a meal and you're going to provide that. Um, they come to get to know people, mm-hmm. to be in fellowship together, and that doesn't really happen without conversation mm-hmm. and exchanging um, ideas, exchanging truth, exchanging just information about each other. Mm-hmm. And so being having good questions ready, having good uh, conversation starters. And it's, of course, different whether it's people you know, again, really well or people that you're just getting to know. Mm -hmm. But making sure people know that you're really glad they're there Mm -hmm. is probably the biggest thing. I know when I go to somebody's house, that not that something that you Mm -hmm. can sense right away? Mm -hmm. Like just that warmth of being really invited in to the heart of things. Mm-hmm. And that's often the kitchen, you know, bright, invite them right into the heart of things. Yes. And either um, hand them something to drink or tell yes. them, give them a knife and cutting board. Yes. <laughs> it can help. Like you said, kind of reading the room, seeing what yeah. they might like to do. If you have right. somebody who keeps asking you, what can I do? What can I do? Maybe they really do want something that helps them, their nerves to go down Absolutely. a little bit or just to relax and be comfortable. I think what you're saying is so true. That's how we deepen friendships with someone who's brand new. We start a friendship or somebody who is an old friend. Mm -hmm. You continue to deepen that friendship by knowing each other's lives, being a Mm -hmm. part of each other's lives. And how can you do that without conversation and being able to know what's going on in their life and how to encourage them and hearing their stories Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how's your family doing and, you know, all the things that's so important. And I think for me, it is sometimes hard I've had to teach myself that over the years, those are two different mindsets before they come and when they're there. Because before they come, you really are trying to get a really nice house and it's clean. And I mean, perfect shouldn't be the word that I'm using, you know, use, but perfect as much as it can be. 
you want the bathroom clean and the mm-hmm. food simmering and almost mm-hmm. ready to be served and all the things. Then they get there, and depending on how many people or if there's little children, it can be chaos or, mm-hmm. you know, messes or, of course, there's dishes everywhere. And so for me, my personality, I've had to do what you're saying and tell myself, and in case someone's listening when I didn't do this, sorry, I'm still learning. <laughs> yes, aren't we all? I've had to tell myself, don't go and start doing dishes. Yes. Don't try to clear the dishes and make yep. the counter look nice. Right. And it's just not the time. Yes. Don't unload the dishwasher real quick and just real quick, I'm going to reload everything. Right. And, and and then they clean off the counter and then I'm going to clear the table real quick because, you know, because it's nicer if they don't have dirty dishes, dishes and cups in front of them. Yes. Again, not that none of that can happen. I mean, we have our, our youngest son who's still at home has definitely gotten up and cleared the table mm-hmm, while the adults are mm-hmm. still talking. And we've left, you know, the the water glasses and the coffee glasses, but, you know, taking their plates. So some of that is fine, but that has been a struggle for me to adjust my mm-hmm. mindset of I'm not in the same mode as I was before mm-hmm. they walked in the door. Right. Now I'm in a different mode. Yes. And when they leave, I can go back to that. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah. your encouragement is is very good for those of us who have trouble switching modes <laughs> <laughs> and wanting the house to just you know stay stay clean and neat mm-hmm. and tidy, or to whip it right back to mm-hmm. clean and neat and tidy, mm-hmm. which is not welcoming at the time they're there. Right, it right. tells them I- I'm busy, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> and you're not meaning to do that, right. but. Yeah, and of course there are friends who you can do that with because they've been there enough that they just start doing that with you mm-hmm. and it doesn't damp, you know, so it is kind of like but there are certainly times where to get up and start cleaning would signal to someone this is this is over now like right. I, I'm going to now move on to the next right. thing. Um and so it's just that sensitivity of oh these these people have been here 150 times. Mm-hmm. And so they know that when we get up to clear the table, they just do it too. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Exactly. And, and, then we, and the conversation just keeps flowing because we're just, we're doing life. We're um, talking over dishes. Right. And then when we're done talking over dishes, we'll sit on the bar stools and keep yes. talking. And yes. yes, it's different when you have that kind of easy familiarity of a really good old friend friendship. Right. right. Versus this would really signal that mm-hmm. maybe... It's time for you to go. Mm-hmm. They're getting a little nervous. Like, <laughs> yes. are, are they trying to cue us out of here? Right, exactly. <laughs> Everything except the sign that, you know, I don't know. I'm sure is like, is this really real? You see it on Instagram or something where it's like uh, something about please leave by nine o'clock. Yes, or, yes. You can stay, but you can't stay here. You know, right. <laughs> do people really do that? <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> oh, goodness. What is your must have kitchen item and where can we find it? Oh, that. I saw that question. I'm like, ooh. So I'm not a kitchen gadget person. So I was really struggling because all I can think of is things that everyone has. What I would say is my must-have, and this hasn't always been the case. I learned this from my mother-in-law, is must-have good, sharp knives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It makes all the difference. Yes. You don't need a ton. You just need like maybe even three. Um, Good, sharp knives. Mm-hmm. It makes chopping fun, actually. Absolutely. When, it speeds your work along. Mm-hmm. When I was early cooking in our in our early years of marriage, I had I did not realize it, but I had the dullest knife that you can possibly chop anything with. And I really thought that you couldn't chop cilantro. It just kind of 
They just kind of tore. Yes. I mean, I don't even know what you would call it. It just didn't chop. You could not get it fine. <laughs> right. There was nothing fine about yep. chopping parsley or cilantro mm-hmm. or anything like that. And then I received some knives that were sharp mm-hmm. and I chopped and it was the most beautiful thing. I know. It's like, like butter. I know what this is like <laughs> now to have truly diced herbs. And <laughs> it was, it made me want to cook. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened to me when I went to my mother-in-law's kitchen, you know, and just anytime you go, I would go there. It'd be like such a pleasure mm-hmm. to help her because all her knives were sharp. And I noticed that she never put a knife away without honing it ever. Really? So she hones every time she puts a knife away and sometimes when she gets it out as well. Wow. So they are always just, just keeping that just razor very, sharp yeah. edge. And so I have adopted her way and I love it. And her knives never go in the dishwasher. And I thought that was very impractical for the mm-hmm. first many years of my marriage and was like, oh, what? And then on. you had to use dull knives and I was after like, no. they came out of and the dishwasher. And then if ever I see someone about, now I'm like, that doesn't go in the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You'll ruin my honing yes, edge. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I have learned the value. So My perfectly honed edge. It just does <laughs> make working in the kitchen so much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. My girls love to use the knives. It just, everyone loves it. So. Mm-hmm. And it's just fast. It is. So much so faster. So much faster. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite... Do you have a favorite knife block or a brand or one knife that is just one you can't live without? I the name of my knife. I can look it up and maybe send it to you after. But it's a Japanese knife. Um, it's also pretty, which mm. I know that doesn't no, matter. It's but fun, it does though. It me. makes fun. <laughs> well, you know, I have recently been thinking about that, yeah. how utilitarian kitchen items can be. But I recently ran into the whole scrub daddy phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's probably been going on for a few years. I don't yeah, know. I'm maybe. sure I'm behind the times. But apparently it's the most the most uh, successful product that was ever released on Shark Tank. Yes. It's millions upon millions have sold and Uh millions and millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But what I was thinking, I was thinking like, how? Right. Well, it's because it's bright and colorful and cute Mm -hmm. and it brings Mm -hmm. joy to the kitchen. Makes people smile. Makes people smile Mm -hmm. because it's a little smiley face. Right. (laughs) Yeah, those little things do. So I think a knife that makes you like it because it's pretty it's beautiful you love More using it it's sharp it. it's Absolutely. that's 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 a great kitchen tool yeah i agree it makes got you happier like to cook blonde wood handle it's just very beautiful it's it's and it's aesthetically it's aesthetically pleasing but then to hold it it feels really nice mm-hmm. in your hand so anyway it's a japanese knife i don't remember the Okay, well, I'll have, it, to, but. I'll have to get the text link mm-hmm, from her. Mm-hmm. I'll have to text her and get the link for Amazon <laughs> or wherever it's sold, and I'll post it on my shop. Yep. I think I think we might have gotten it at Williams-Sonoma, but I'm not 100% on that. Okay. That could be it. Well, I have a page where I put all of people's top recommended items, mm-hmm. and it just shows people what they look like. You can buy them anywhere, yep. but it gives them a link just to see it and be able yeah, to shop for it, it if yeah. they like it, mm-hmm. which someone made the recommendation once like that. Sh- people should look there for when they're doing a wedding registry. Yes. Like that That's is a great such idea. a great idea because mm-hmm. it's all these cooks who are saying they're very favorite items. Mm-hmm. And especially with knives, that's the one time usually you're going to register for yes. something or purchase something like that unless you save up, you mm-hmm. know, people are going to buy you something a little more expensive for a wedding. That's so interesting you say that because because sharp knives are such a big deal, I always try and get knives for people when they get married or for mm-hmm. their shower. I don't like get them my knife if they registered for another one, but I encourage young mm-hmm. women it's a to great register gift. for a good knife, mm-hmm. you know. Just one really good chef's knife to start would go way further than a whole set of mm-hmm. yarn going to like in exactly. two years. 
And I love getting that for, for newly married. It's really fun. Well, it's very fun because you know, they're going to use it pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that's not going to go sit on a shelf somewhere at the back of a cabinet. It is going Mm -hmm. to be a lifetime of use and and not to milk a metaphor, but I mean, like there are so many spiritual metaphors for sharp knives. It's just, so even when I'm, this is, maybe this is just me who thinks this way. It's sort of very cheesy, but like, even as I'm using the sharp knife, it makes me think of like, that is how God's word is. It Mm -hmm. is just so sharp. It just, it just does what it's set to do. Mm -hmm. It's going to accomplish exactly what it's supposed Mm -hmm. to do. It is so sharp. And then you think about all the damage of that a dull knife can do. Mm-hmm. You're so much more likely to cut yourself. Mm-hmm. It does not do what it sets out to do. No. You know? It just makes a mess of the cilantro yes. or parsley. Right, right. <laughs> so it is kind of just, I don't know. Those that's, things that's always a, come to my mind. <laughs> well, that's a great metaphor. And again, while you're why you are a successful author of multiple <laughs> books. <laughs> Telling us about Christian womanhood, as well as just the art of bread baking, along with the Christian um, metaphors that go along yes, with that. I so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so keep up the good work. <laughs> I don't know if she has a third one in the works, but we'll all encourage her sharp, to have a third sharp one. Knife sharp knife. Why you must get one. <laughs> that is definitely. We my have next un- uncovered on this podcast what her third book is going to be. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Sharp knives and how they relate to the Christian life. That's right. I think that is definitely women are just going to be running out to get a book about knives. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) Speaking of sharp knives, so you hone before and well, after every Mm -hmm. use, after you wash it, hand wash it, Mm -hmm. you hone them. Do you sharpen once a year or how often do you do an actual sharpener? Well, these knives that I have now, I've had for a few years and I have not had to sharpen them yet. That's amazing. I know. Although I learned, well, I maybe shouldn't share this tip because I might get people into a lot of trouble, but <laughs> but my brother-in-law showed me that you can sharpen, actually sharpen, so not hone, but sharpen a knife mm-hmm. at home on the bottom of pottery that has not been glazed. Really? Yeah. So actually I did have him do that for me once because he's got just a good eye and feel for it. And he also keeps his knives really sharp. And so, so that's it. It's but similar to a whetstone. Yeah. I think it has to be about the same or mm. like that. The the consistency of it, as long as it doesn't have any, it's just got to be unglazed or whatever that mm-hmm. is, where it goes into that final. It can't have that it has to just be the plain bottom. That is so, so if you interesting. Flip something over. Sometimes that bottom part is not mm-hmm. glazed and that's where you could potentially sharpen a knife. But if you're really bad at it, you might sharpen it crooked. So maybe don't do that. Right. But my brother But your brother can do it. Your brother-in-law can do it. Uh That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you just really needed to save a little money Mm -hmm. sharpening. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's oftentimes there's not places that anyone will sharpen. Like sometimes people, you can pay and they'll sharpen your knives. Well, if you live in a town where it's like, there's no knife sharpeners here, you have to figure it out. I almost, I almost... Well, I think I wrote it down for future reference, but there's a place where you can send your knives in the mail and they'll ship them back to you. And I can't remember the name of it, but I bet if you just Google like knife sharpener, I don't know what you should Google, but anyway, that knife sharpening services online or something like that. Well, that's a great tip. So if you're in a small town, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know I bought a Cutco knife one Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. and it, 
did mention something about that was lifetime guarantee, but they also, if you mail them the knife, they sharpen it and mail it back. I haven't done yet, but that's Mm -hmm. a good thing to look into. But having a paid service, I'm sure it's out there Mm -hmm. because even if you didn't buy the knife for it from them, they would be happy to do it for a fee. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You know, that's a great service to offer because not every town has a knife sharpener. Yep. And a lot of people don't know how to sharpen on their own. Right. My father-in-law knew how to use a whetstone and he would come to our house and sharpen for me. Oh, that's wonderful. It was so wonderful. And now he's not around to do that, which is very sad. Mm -hmm. But now I have very dull knives, so I need to figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back to mushing up cilantro Cilantro, and parsley. (laughs) This is also a spiritual metaphor. (laughs) I need to get back to the sharp knives. (laughs) I'm in a bad season. time for some honing and sharpening That's right. i have thought about looking in or buying the automatic knife sharpener oh wow i haven't heard of that one there's one you can plug in but and there's people that rave about it and i have yeah. not purchased it yet but mm-hmm. i i've thought well that might be worth worth trying so it's also been recommended on here by a couple other people nice from all of your years of hospitality do you have a funny story or horror story or any mm. story that you would like to share boy i'm sure we do have plenty. I guess the first one that pops into my mind because it's recent is <laughs> we had a whole boatload of college students coming over for dinner, which we do every other week. And, you know, so just doing my normal thing, getting everything ready. Everything was going on track, very like smooth. Oh yeah, we got this down. We're, we are just rolling. We got this. <laughs> I had grilled a ton of chicken. We were making street cart chicken and naan brought all the chicken in to keep warm just to, I just popped it in the oven at a really low temp and covered it, just keeping it warm for like 20 minutes and <laughs> go to get it out and look at the oven. And somehow the oven had been turned to self clean and it locked. <gasps> so it's at like 500 plus degree going to yes. that. It's like starting to heat up. I can feel it getting hot. My chicken's in there, <laughs> all the chicken. It's a lot. It's two big things. Oh, no. And I'm just like starting to panic and they're going to arrive in about five minutes. So, you know, I'm calling my husband, you, you've got to help me go like do the breaker, do the breaker. <laughs> so he does, he goes, he turns the breaker off, oven goes off, still locked, turns it back on, goes right back to self-clean, still no. locked. Because I, I don't know, something about that setting, it was like a glitch mm-hmm. where it wouldn't let it go off of that. So it's kind of. It's a glitchy. Kind of, it's, it's too electronic. You know how uh-huh. they make things too. Yes, where the lock. Techy? If you unplug it, it should totally just unlock, and no, it doesn't. It tries to be smarter than mm-hmm. a human. I don't like these things, mm-hmm. but it's almost like it has to go down to a certain temperature before it will yes, unlock. Yes. But it hasn't even gotten up to five hundred. So right. it's why is it even at that auto lock? It's strange. But anyway, it carry was on. Just a riot. I mean, and I'm starting to like. I mean, you know how the the emotions almost just take over and it's just like, I'm either going to really like start to tear up or cry or whatever, or I'm going to need to find some laughter like right now soon, right? you know? So we did get to laughter, thankfully. I just thought, well, (laughs) I know I have a lot more chicken in the freezer. I could pull it out right now. So I'm like pulling the freezer chicken out and then going back to the oven to just like start mushing. I literally like I'm taking my palm and mushing the buttons in hope and praying. I'm like, everyone pray, pray that, <laughs> you know, and it, it just all of a sudden opened. And there are people like the college students had already started to come in 
And I'm just thinking I am gonna have to grill tons more chicken again. Uh-huh. I just smelled it. And it's stuff. frozen. Okay. It all came out. Wow. Praise the Lord. Maybe it reached that special temperature <laughs> that it click. I know everyone's like, what did you do? I was like, I was mushing buttons. I don't know. I don't know. I have no don't idea know what, what happened. I did, but I'm so thankful that chicken is out of there. It did not burn. <laughs> but wow. it was that panic, that very panic moment. I was just so thankful that I, that he helped with the laughter because it would have been quite silly to yes. come in and find me like crying, just crying <laughs> or just even flustered, you know. So anyway. Well, in those moments, <laughs> yes, you have two choices and you might as well just choose the laughter right. because it's going to, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's and right. you might as well just be laughing instead of just sobbing. Well, and these are college students, so nobody would have been upset with me. Mm-hmm. They would have been like, no. oh, sure, we'll wait 30 minutes. For exactly. Your they would have been hanging hour. out yeah. and playing cornhole or whatever yep. other games you had set up for That's them. Right. And they would have. Right. It would have been, been even hangrier for the yes. warm, delicious chicken coming out of the oven. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Yes. I've recently had a washing, used a washing machine that has that same lock. Well, I guess oh. maybe they all have locks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This one has an audible click. Yes. I mean, it's very loud. Mm-hmm. And if you press pause, it doesn't always unclick. Yeah. It's like unlock. I just need to put one sock in. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's so weird. It's like they're telling you we don't want to because yeah. maybe there's water in here, but right. it's clearly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a top loader. And so it's not even the oh. side loader where you could have I mean, a sometimes spell. where it could be a spell. Right. This is a top loader. It's like, why won't you <laughs> unlock? <laughs> I'm the boss of you. Right. In right. that instance, it's not tears. It's like, okay, don't start hitting the washing machine. <laughs> Don't get angry. Start laughing. <laughs> <Yes>. Start laughing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, this has been so fun. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining me today and taking time out of your busy weekend <laughs> to come and do a podcast. It has been just delightful to talk to you and learn all about your fabulous recipes and to hear about the one recipe that we need to start with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. find one good recipe. One good recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Anyway, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. So much fun. Until next time.